You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, live from the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Here is your special SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, presented by Bordelon Furniture. Day three of SEC Media Days come and gone. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, coming to you live from the College Football Hall of Fame Radio Row here in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, we, we've kind of made the joke the last couple of days that it, it wasn't so hot Atlanta. Um, Mother Nature has, has delivered today. It's a, it's a brutal one here in Atlanta, Georgia. Hot on the podium as well, Sam Pittman, Kirby Smart, Billy Napier, and Mark Stoops taking the podium today to address the media. We'll talk about all of that. We'll talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, and we've got some fantastic interviews lined up for you from Ben Watson, the former Saint, at 4.30, and then at 5.30, Chris Gordy, New Orleans native, LSU graduate, now hosts the Locked On SEC podcast and hosts the radio show at Sports Talk 790 in Houston. So what's up? Matt Miguez here on this Wednesday. Producer extraordinaire, co-host with the most, James Mesh, still back in beautiful Karen Crow, Louisiana. James, what's up, buddy? What's up, Miguez, Matt? How? Hey, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Why are you bringing out Twitter handles? What you doing? <laughs> what you doing? Hey, man. What, what was that, 14-year-old self-made stuff like that? No, nah, Miguez Matt was actually like 19-year-old self. Oh. <laughs> okay, interesting. I mean, uh, w- do you have a better idea for my Twitter handle? Please enlighten me if you do. Me- Matt Miguez. It was already taken. Matt Miguez underscore. Ooh, the underscore. Nice touch, bud. Nice touch. <laughs> Oh man! All right. So, how how was life in Karen Crow, my guy? Uh, it's chilling. Not too bad of a day. I think it was raining earlier. I don't know. It sounded like it. I haven't gone outside really today. So, oh, we went outside. I have not been able to really touch grass. We went outside. We had a Ray and I had a little bit of a dead period earlier, and. Um, the College Football Hall of Fame is right across the street from the Olympic Park in Atlanta, which is where they hosted the 1996 opening ceremonies. It was also the site of the 1996 Olympic bombing. Um, so that park's right across the street. They have a statue of the Olympic rings. And so we, we went and go check out the park. And, man, when I tell you it was so hot, and I'm in my – the game jacket and some long pants and being outside for that long was a terrible idea i mean terrible sweat your butt off oh dude like i i contemplated going back to the hotel to change clothes like that it was that was absolutely brutal but you know it's good i'm here i am i don't stink too bad and uh Crazy day three today, man, because you started off with Sam Pittman from Arkansas. And, you know, Arkansas had a had a good year last year. 
and it, it, it appeared that maybe Sam Pittman would be putting Arkansas back on the right path. They went nine and four last year after three and seven in his first year, and you know, again, getting back a similar situation to Florida, right? Trying to get back to an area of prominence in the SEC and a 9-4 and four season, pretty solid coming out of the difficult SEC West, but it was great because you heard from Sam Pittman today and a, a reporter had asked him, Coach, do you feel like Arkansas has arrived? Like, do you think Arkansas's back? And Sam Pittman kind of chuckles. He goes, we're not even close. He said, right now we're just trying to compete. And I'm kind of sitting there like, Coach, you went 9-4. and four. Don't you think you're already competing? I mean, I know the SEC West is, like, super stacked. But you, you, you won 69, 70% of your games. How is that not competing? I mean, it's not, it's not good enough. You still got to compete with Georgia. You still got to compete with Alabama. Tennessee's improving. We just haven't seen it yet, but a lot of people are predicting them to do a lot better than they usually do. Florida, you don't know exactly what to expect, but they could have a huge, a surprising rise. Same thing with LSU and Brian Kelly. They could shock some people. So you seeing nine and four, we haven't heard a whole, whole bunch from Arkansas about them making crazy improvements and getting a lot of crazy transfer, transfer portal players. So it feels like, hey, it doesn't feel like we're there. No, maybe not. But, I mean, man, if you look at their, their spot in their key positions, I mean, we'll start, obviously, with, with quarterback. I mean, K.J. Jefferson. I, I can't say enough about the talent level of a guy like K.J. Jefferson. He's a 6'3", 245-pound redshirt senior out of Mississippi. He actually made his first Arkansas start against LSU a couple years ago. And, you know, a lot of people have him as the second-best quarterback in the SEC behind Bryce Young. And I don't necessarily disagree. Now, and then, you you know, you look at the defense. I'm looking at a linebacker like Bumper Poole, who, who's coming into his fifth year at, at Arkansas, looking to make a big impact. And... I don't know, man. From listening to Sam Pittman this morning, and I, and I, I know people, you know, sit there and go, "Oh, well, you know, it's coach speak." I get it. Ninety percent of it probably was, but I, when coaches are talking, I like to pay attention to the tone. And there was just there was something about the tone in his voice that gave me the feeling of. You better watch out for Arkansas. So look look for Arkansas to surprise some people in the SEC West this year. And then, you know, I've always heard that Sam Pittman liked to crack jokes in press conferences. And he, he talked about the house that they purchased in Fayetteville because a reporter had brought it up. Uh, there was a reporter here from Fayetteville, and they had brought it up. The house is apparently well-known around Fayetteville as the Marlin House. 
because there's a lake like on the back side of the house and so the house had two marlin statues that would spit water into the lake well when sam Pittman moved in he replaced the marlin statues with hog statues and so the hogs have like neon lights on them and all this stuff and then instead of spitting the water into the lake it like slobbers it out and and then so so that part's funny in and of itself but then he goes on to talk about how people will park their boats at the edge of his yard and go climb on the hogs and he's sitting there like i have a sign that says don't get on the hogs i wish people knew how to read signs that say don't get on the hogs and i i just thought that that was one of one of the funniest things to ever come out of SEC media days today because he was just so, you know, so sincere and so serious about, you know, these statues that are slobbering into a lake. And then, you know, you, you find out that Sam Pittman has a fully functioning jukebox in his office at the football facility. So somebody asked him, you know, what songs are, are, are played the most and he goes oh Stevie Nicks he said I love Stevie Nicks I love Fleetwood Mac and like that was just such the most off the wall like random answer I could have ever ever heard so James I gotta ask you if you had a fully functioning jukebox in your house what would be the what would be your go-to song to play like all the time go-to song ooh man it kind of just depends on the time and what I'm feeling because sometimes I'll go to rap or sometimes I'll go to country. Sometimes I'll go to hip-hop. Right now? Ooh. Uh, I'm kind of in that rock mode, so I might I might go check Yes, Juliet or Dear Maria count me in. Ooh, those are both classics. Both classics. You know, right now... And this might sound like a cop-out because it's one of our beats, but I'm definitely listening to I Ain't Worried by One Republic. Yeah, yeah. You had me recently implement that song in the system, so I wouldn't be surprised that you would play that one to start that, off. That, that beat is just it's so good. It, it's so solid. All right, so again, today's show, we're going to talk what Kirby Smart had to say. We're going to talk about Billy Napier. We have clips from yesterday with Nick Saban and Mike Leach. What did they have to say? Can Nick Saban get Alabama back to the promised land? And then at 4.30, Benjamin Watson, former Saint, current SEC Network analyst, is going to join us to talk about his time with the Saints, his ties to Louisiana, what he sees coming out of the SEC. And then at 5.30, again, Chris Gordy joins us to discuss the state of the SEC with a focus on LSU considering that he is a LSU graduate. Hotline open, as always, 706-0111. If you want to get in on the action today, again, day three, SEC Media Days live from Atlanta here on the game. And and the, the thing that's crazy, James, you, you think that Media Days are over with after tomorrow, right? SEC 
SEC media days are over. But next week, we're going to be in the Big Easy. The game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, taking over the Big Easy for Sun Belt Media Days. Tune in Tuesday and Wednesday next week. That's July 26th and 27th as RP3 and Company, Footnotes, and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh be broadcasting live from New Orleans for the games live from the Sun Belt Media Day coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Tune in for our takeover of the Big Easy right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. James, let's take a time out right here. When we return, we'll bring you those clips of the guru, Nick Saban, and the pirate, Mike Leach. Plus, we'll talk about the MLB All-Star Game. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Our guy Miguez is lonely in Atlanta. So why don't you drop him a line on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Bordelon Furniture. You heard the man. Drop us a line, 706-0111. Get in on the action, because why wouldn't you want to? Otherwise, you're just hanging out listening to us talk, when you could be listening to yourself. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh Live here from the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Georgia, for SEC Media Days, live here on Radio Row. Starting to get a little quieter as SEC Media Days slowly begins to wrap up tomorrow. Only three coaches we will hear from Josh Heupel, Brian Harson, and then James. If, if you think back over the last couple of days, after the two coaches I just mentioned on Slate for tomorrow, who's the one coach we have yet to hear from? Big old Jimbo. Jimbo's closing out SEC Media Days tomorrow. I am so looking forward to him bringing up the Nick Saban drama because if if he do, if he doesn't bring it up himself I might just have to ask him a question that'll bring it up go for it please because 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 I I do things like that right let's stir go to the, the pot stir the pot let's go to the hotline now Martin is calling in what's up Martin oh how's Atlanta treating you buddy oh man I'm I am I've gained 10 pounds now I got a question for you. Are you focusing you? Or you didn't stay there long enough? Well, I'll tell you, I was in the building last night. I was in Mercedes-Benz Stadium for a couple hours. And uh, I'm happy to report that I'm not a Falcons fan. However, however, I am a fan of their stadium. That thing is is immaculate. So... My, uh, now you brought up another question for me. Which one you would think is nice, the Cowboys Stadium or Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Well, Mercedes-Benz is a couple of years newer. Um, but you know they're they're very you know Martin they're very similar setups. Uh huh. Um. So I, I, I don't I don't know I've I've never been to AT and T Stadium so I don't know if I can answer that you know a hundred percent. So I mean right now I would have to say Mercedes-Benz. 
too bad they can't get a good team to play in the in that stadium. In a it's gonna be a long year for my Cowboys. I tell you that right now. Yes, it I'm is. Trying to get my heart. I'm trying to get my heart ready. I'm trying to get my nerves ready. Get some blood pressure medicine because God knows how they're gonna disappoint me this year, man. Oh, but I was a, now, go ahead. Uh, I got another question for you. I heard uh, when I was tuning in. Can Nick Saban get Alabama back to the promised land? Of course he can get Alabama to the back to the promised land. That shouldn't even be a question. And not only is he going to get Alabama back to the promised land, we're going to wreck everybody on the way over there. You know? Like I, yeah. Like you're, I told him. Can you hear me? You're not wrong. Alabama's known for having scrub schedules. Oh, here we go with that. But anyway, I'll, t- I'll take it. I'll take it. Now, one more question. I'm going to let you go on that. Um, your little intro said you're lonely, but you got your you got your bud, uh, the ball beautiful one over there. Is he in the Chick-fil-A line again getting you a sandwich? No, right now he, he he's he, he's in the hotel room. Oh, okay. He should have used that, that free coupon on uh, a, a free chicken sandwich for you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, share the wealth, you know? He 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 used it at lunch today. I got you. Now, are you going to be watching the Aspies tonight? I might keep up with it. Whether I'm going to watch it or not is a different question. I got you. I had seen I was selling a foot this morning. Uh, yesterday, they did a good look. The, uh, the guy that's going to be winning the uh, the Stuart Scott Award is going to be uh, the Kimbe Mutombo. Uh, which was one of my favorite all-time basketball players because I always liked how he talked. And uh, and also, I'm a big fan of Stuart Scott. I've always been. I like how, you know, his approach, how he delivered, you know, the, the sports and everything, you know. And uh, But I didn't know that the Kimbe actually went to Georgetown and he was going to become a doctor. I didn't even know that. That's something I learned yesterday. But uh, I, it's an interesting... It's an interesting little documentary they did yesterday on the Kimbe. But uh, anyway, enjoy the rest of your time over there. Thanks for taking my call, and y'all have a safe trip back, buddy. Appreciate you as always, Martin. Yes, sir. So let me let me go back to the Alabama thing. So I I, I stand on the hill that they play a scrub schedule. They always have. They always will. Maybe I should have worded that question better. It's not so much of a fact of can he. The question is really will he? Because Georgia's going to be just as good as they were a year ago. Tennessee's going to be on the rise. Ole Miss is going to hang around. We don't know what kind of team we're going to see out of LSU. We definitely don't know what team we're going to see out of Auburn. There's, There's just so much unknown about the SEC this year. And and there, there's no doubt if Alabama's not number one, they're going to be number two. But what's, you know, what's going to put them above Georgia in 2022? If anything, that that's, that's really the question that I have. Because, again, you're going to see a Georgia-Alabama SEC championship game, and you could very well see that matchup in the playoff. James, I mean, do, do you see Alabama winning the national championship this year? 
unfortunately, I have to agree with Martin. I, I Usually, whenever they do, it's three out of four times. Whenever they lose, they bounce back the next year and win, win the whole thing. So, it feels like with Bryce Young, he won the Heisman last year, but he didn't win the championship. He got the experience in it, though, and I think he'll do a lot better this year, win the national championship, and then become a top three pick in next year's NFL draft. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, the Heisman Trophy, so there's a display case for the Heisman here at the College Football Hall of Fame, but the first couple of days it wasn't here. And, and today I was making my rounds, you know, looking around at different things that I could take pictures of for social media, and sure enough, the Heisman Trophy was in its case. So it was pretty cool to see the, the Heisman Trophy in person. They have the – I took a picture the other day with the college football playoff championship trophy. They also have the coaches trophy, the old the old national championship trophy, the, the crystal ball. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what Billy Napier had to say a little later on in the show. But, James, I, I, I got to talk to Billy for a second today. Did he miss you? <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if that's the right word, but he recognized me. So that was uh that was nice. Oh I seen you that one time. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Um so actually I got to interview him at Sunbelt Media Days in twenty nineteen. And then last year I covered the Sunbelt Conference Championship game and the New Orleans Bowl. And uh, so, yeah, he was he was shooting some kind of video and I was actually waiting to talk to his communications guy to see if he had time for an interview. And before I could talk to his communications guy, Billy recognized me and he said, what's up, big guy? And shook my hand and asked me how we were doing and told me to tell Ray hi and all this other stuff. So I just I thought it was really cool that. I mean, I've, he hasn't. It hasn't been that long since he's been gone from Lafayette, but just just the fact that he still recognized me and you know wanted to ask how we were doing, I, I thought it was cool. At least you got recognized because I have a funny Billy Napier story myself. So my freshman year in 2018 at UL, I I decided to kind of help with the football team and be in the recruiting department. So I would cut up tape for the coaches to watch of high school and juco players and my first day they introduced me because it was also part of my class assignment to do something in whatever field i want to do so some people were doing like physical therapy and stuff so going to clinics well for me i went to the cages football team directly oh nice and first day shook shook a coach's hand he's introduced myself and i had been working there the whole season and towards the end, during during game days, I would help with whenever they would bring in recruits. We'd sit in a certain part next to the field goal, next to the tunnel, next to the goalpost, in that section of the stadium. And after, we would go on the fields. Well, one time I was with the recruits just to like, stay with them. That way they don't get lost or go do something they're not supposed to do. And I was standing next to one of them, and he was like, oh, are you a recruit too? I'm like, no, coach. I've been helping with the recruit department uh, since August. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Just So at least you got recognized I did. Damn. This Billy, was, had, Billy had no idea who you were. 
And I even ha and I even had a little talk with him in his office, so I got got to see his office and. But that was that was really the one only time that he had seen me before that last instance. That's so funny. That's so funny. Let's go back to yesterday's recap of SEC Media Days. And we have some audio from the man himself, Mr. Nick Saban. And the the first thing that he touched on that was really, you know, provoking and, and really inspiring, if you will, what was him spending time talking about his Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, Bryce Young. Bryce was an outstanding player, you know, in high school. I think they won a state championship, lost the state championship in the in the finals. But, you know, he was very productive, very collected in how he sort of led his team and the choices and decisions that he made and played the position a lot like a point guard in terms of, you know, how he distributed the ball in the right places to the right people at the right time and very accurately. And, you know, he's got all the right stuff when it comes to the kind of competitor he is, the kind of preparation that he does, the work ethic that he has to continue to try to improve. So I can't say enough good things about the kind of player he was in high school and his attitude about how he's developed, you know, as a college player. And then, you know, obviously the, the talk of SEC Media Days all week has been NIL. Uh, so here is Nick Saban with his thoughts on name, image, and likeness. You know, name, image, and likeness is a great thing for players. And I'm all for players having the opportunity to create whatever value they can create for themselves. And, you know, there, there has to be something, some guidelines that sort of protect competitive balance you know, and how we do this. And, you know, the advent of collectives has created a way for, you know, third parties to make contributions to marketing organizations who can create opportunities for players, which I think is a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. It creates opportunities for players. That's a good thing. I think when it's used in recruiting and players start making choices and decisions based on promises that are made uh, in name, image, and likeness, I'm not sure that is a good thing. So I do think there needs to be some guidelines, you know, in that. And I think there needs to be transparency in, you know, how all that's done. And I do think there needs to be some protection for players when it comes to people who represent them and third parties who are involved, uh, people who get between, you know, the money and the player. Because, you know, those people have a responsibility and obligation to professionally represent the players in a first-class way. And... You know, right now we have no guidelines for, you know, any of these things. And uh, I think, you know, that's that's a bit of a concern. And then the storyline that everybody has been waiting for. Here is Saban's thoughts on Jimbo Fisher. Well, first of all, I have no issues or problems with uh, Jimbo. He's done a great job at A&M. He did a great job for us. You know, I, I, I always take criticisms or whatever in a positive way to self-assess me personally in terms of maybe there is something that I could do better. So any comments that anybody makes, you or any coach, I always take into consideration. But there is no issues or problems. There's no issues or problems between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. James, do you buy that at all? It's it, it's a that's a tough buy. 
That's a very tough buy. That's a very tough buy. Because I'm sure Nick Saban, he's definitely got his thoughts about Jimbo, but doesn't want it to be necessarily beef between the two. And you see, I, I, I knew Nick wouldn't bring it up because Nick's the type of guy that, you know, he said what he said. He apologized about it, which I don't think he truly meant. And now because, he wants to sweep it under the rug. Correct. But you, you know that that's not how it works. You put the quote out there, and now it's there. And people are going to hound you for it forever. People are never going to let that quote die. And if Jimbo Fisher makes the slightest comment about it tomorrow, you know that the media is going to run with it. And it's just going to start all over again. Instead of a football game in October, we might see a boxing match. And I'd still take Jimbo in that fight. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. You are probably right. Um, before we take a break here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, guys, today is the last day for the Astros weekend getaway. The Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and we want to help you see them live. Game 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle on Saturday, July 30th. You can win four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations. And all you have to do is sign up for the text club. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to register for the game clubhouse. Astros weekend getaways are powered. Butcher Air Conditioning, La Merida in Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Take a time out right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. When we return, Saints legend and SEC Network analyst Benjamin Watson is going to join us to talk about his career with the Saints, his time as a Georgia Bulldog, can they repeat as national champions, and his outlook on LSU. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, the Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The circus that is SEC Media Days is in Atlanta, and Miguez and Mesh have you covered. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Portalon Furniture on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez coming to you live from Radio Row at the College Football Hall of Fame. Day three of SEC Media Days. Hearing from Georgia, Florida, Arkansas and Kentucky a lot of talent in the in these four teams to talk about let's dive into it with SEC Network analyst and former New Orleans Saint Mr. Benjamin Watson Ben thank you so much for taking the time man how are you hey man it's a pleasure who that for all the Saints fans out there got to get that out there so that's actually question number <laughs> one you know I would be I would be nullified back home <laughs> if I didn't ask about you know, your time with the Saints, your time in New Orleans. So, you know, just how was that like, you know, being in the organization with guys like Drew Brees and Sean Payton? I think I was just talking about this on an interview. Um, 
an amazing time, and not just from a football perspective. Look, uh, um, my wife's family is from Louisiana, and so I remember we met at University of Georgia, but one of the first things she told me about was her family in Louisiana, and I can remember going to visit her extended family, and most of the conversation was about Saints football and crawfish. Um, and so it's kind of been a part of our, our vernacular for a very long time, but our time in New Orleans was special. And, and you got guys like Drew Brees, I'm still in touch with him, you know, just uh, the way he loves his family, the way he leads his life. Coach Payton, I talked to him not too long ago. There's really a, a family aspect there. I remember when I came from uh, Cleveland down to uh, New Orleans as a free agent, and I remember walking to the facility and speaking to Miss Benson and everybody and thinking, this, this is business because it's football. But in a way, it felt like family business. And I think that that's what Louisiana is for a lot of people. I remember people dropping off food on our front doorstep when we moved there. And I was like, what's wrong with these folks? But then after a while, you realize there's just that welcoming right. spirit that they have. So great times. Now, you've been with the SEC Network for a little over a year. This is your second SEC Media Days. You know, looking at the SEC on the surface, you being a former Georgia player, Georgia just coming <laughs> off their first national championship in 40 years. You know, do, do, what do you think Georgia has this year that they had last year? Do you think they could repeat? Do I think they can repeat? Uh, the answer to that question is yes. Um, is it probable? No, it's not. It's never probable for a team to repeat. There's so many factors that make it difficult to win one championship, much less two in a right. row. Um, there's the unknowns, there's injuries, there's a schedule that's always tough. Uh, there are all these different things. But when I look at Georgia from a purely football standpoint, um, it makes perfect sense why they're picked to be competing for another national championship. They've got stability at the most important position on the football field, other than the head coach, is quarterback. But they've got stability there in Stetson Bennett. Um, and then you look defensively. Look, their, their defense it was lauded as one of the greatest of all time. I think there were 10 points a game. The only place where I thought there may have been a liability for the defense last year could have been in the secondary. And when you look at their secondary, they're returning a lot of guys. They got veteran players back there. The hero of the national championship, one of the heroes, Keely Ringo, was back, as well as Christopher Smith and Tyke Smith. And you got, you've got other guys back there. So I think Georgia is in, in as good a position as anybody to win a national championship, win another one. But as they always say, and as we talked about in the NFL for several years while I was there, you still got to play the games. <laughs> with Benjamin Watson here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. So, you know, being in Lafayette, we're the LSU affiliate for the Lafayette market. You know, I got to ask you, I heard somebody say yesterday that LSU with structure is the most dangerous thing in the SEC. Hmm. Do you agree with that? LSU with structure. Well, I guess the implication there is that there maybe hasn't been structure, and I would agree with that. Um, watching LSU and knowing so many LSU players and living in Louisiana, uh, I, I took a particular interest in what was happening at LSU. And what I saw last year, especially defensively, was not a lot of structure. I saw a lot of missed tackles. I saw sometimes effort that was not worthy of, of LSU. You know, I think – Brian Kelly comes in, and that's one of the first things that he's trying to address. We had him on set yesterday and asked him several questions about, you know, the, the character of his programs at Notre Dame, how they play with the physicality, and that's always been a hallmark of, of LSU. I mean, I remember playing LSU when I was at Georgia. I remember losing to them twice. One time in Baton Rouge uh, was a pretty bad loss, and then one time, and then one time in, in the SEC championship, and both times it was the physicality 
that came with the athletic prowess that many of those players had. So, you know, looking at LSU, that, that, that's something that I know that they want to get back to. That's something that they can get back to. And you think about the state of Louisiana, it is one of, if not the most frutal, fruitful um, recruiting grounds uh, in America. So, so everything is there. The tradition's there. All those, those stuff is there, has to align. And, and I think that's, that's the hope. That's the expectation. Right. You know, when you look at the past three coaches, the expectation is for Kelly to come in and be competing for a national championship uh, in the near future. Looking at the SEC, you know, Georgia and Alabama are on a hill or, or an island all on their own. And then, you know, Vanderbilt is, is way over here. <laughs> then three through 13 is probably the most competitive that I've ever seen it. Mm. I mean, it, the SEC is wide open outside of one and two. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, and I'll also say before I move on to, to 3 through 13, that those islands, other than Al- Alabama for a long time, are kind of interchangeable sometimes. I mean, they, you know, we talk about LSU as if they're, you know, not a good – they won a national championship not too long ago. So, you know, I mean, these things, especially with, you know, the transfer portal, with where recruiting is, you can make a huge jump in a matter of, you know, 24 months that you may not have been able to make before. So, so there's always hope on either side of the equation. Um, you know, you talk about that, you know, who's that third team, and I look at a team like Tennessee um, and the jump they made in year one with, with Josh Heupel, and, and they found a quarterback. You know, they found Hendon Hooker. They're returning Cedric Tillman, the only 1,000-yard receiver coming back from last year um, in Arkansas. Uh, is a team. We had Pittman on the set today, you know, what they've done. So there is, yes, it was a great interview. (laughs) If if you can share some of those clips, that would be awesome with the people. But there is a lot vying in that little intermediary place. Um, And it will remain to be seen who who steps up. That doesn't mean, however, that Georgia and Alabama stay at the top forever. I mean, there are cycles in everything. Last question I have for you, you know, everybody talks about Bryce Young winning the Heisman last year. The quarterback race in the SEC, you brought up Hendon Hooker, K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas as well. You know, who, who not named Bryce Young, in your opinion, is the best quarterback in the SEC? Mm, who not named Bryce Young? So, I don't know if you saw, but a lot of our quarterbacks on SEC Network got a chance to rank their quarterbacks. And I didn't get a chance to rank mine, I guess because I play tight end. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole ranking right here. But after Bryce Young, I had a number two, a guy who does not get a lot of respect, a guy who was fourth in touchdowns, a guy who uh, was top in yards per attempt, a guy who was top in QBR, and a guy who won a national championship for his team, and that's Destin Bennett. And it's interesting to me how he's never quite in the conversation. He's too short. He's this. He's that. Um, But in the college football ranks, in the SEC, what he did last year I have to place him up there in the top under Bryce Young because of, because of his body of work and what he did. Um, you know, then you mentioned a guy like, like Hendon Hooker, K.J. Jefferson. Um, Will Levis is, is in there somewhere. If he can, you know, deal with the, with the interception ratio, that's a problem. Um, there are a lot of quarterbacks in the SEC right now. I think that's what makes it so exciting. And I think, you know, bringing it all back to Baton Rouge, um, the biggest – decision is going to be who's going to be behind center when the the when LSU kicks off in in New Orleans actually against Florida State first four games are in the state of Louisiana 
Hometown is going to get to see their team four times in a row, right. including New Orleans and then three in Baton Rouge. Who's going to be behind center is going to be key. Um, that's, the, that's, that's the battle. That's going to determine Quickly, what's going to happen. Who do you think it is? I think it's Miles Brennan. Perfect. Benjamin Watson of the SEC Network. Really appreciate you taking the time, man, and uh, enjoy the rest of the pandemonium that is SEC Media Day. It's awesome, bro. <laughs> appreciate you, man. There he goes, Benjamin Watson. We'll take a timeout right here and bring you more of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh live from the College Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles is Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the show that just means more. Eh, what more is, we're not quite sure yet. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Bordelon Furniture on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch Time with Amigas and Mesh live here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. James Mesh back in the master control suite. James, I'm going to tell you, I don't like the post you just sent me. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. James, what, what year were you born? You were born in the 2000s, weren't you? I was born in 2000, exactly. Okay. Okay. So the, uh, for, to, re- to reference to the folks back home, it's a, it's a tweet conversation. And it says, if you want to be happy, get an old person from 1990 to 1999 and settle down. Those people are tired. That part is true. I'm very tired. However, I am not old. Not even 25 yet. Won't be for another month. And then this guy comments, if those from 1990 to 1999 are considered as old, what does that make those born between 80 and 89? The first guy responds, you mean the ancestors? <laughs> Dude! <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. I, I didn't know either. I just thought it was funny. I went to see RP3's reaction. <laughs> you, you mean the ancestors? Get out of here. Get out of here with that mess. God, man. From 90 to 99, you're old. <laughs> I am not old. Thank you very much. Anyways, all right, got a couple more minutes before we end our number one here from Radio Row. You know, James, yesterday we talked about how, as it was starting to clear out, my voice started to carry a little bit more. And people started to stare at you? Yeah, it's happening again. Yeah, they're like, why is this guy still on his show? Just, like, get out. Well, it, it, it's it's really helpful. Um, Ray and I have become pretty good friends over the last couple of days with these three guys from Auburn. Um, their table is their table is actually set up right next to us, and um, we've hung out with them at like the media events and whatnot. And so their show is three to six, and so they're always here with me until the very end. Which is which is refreshing because I I'm not alone. I was worried that tomorrow, with it being the last day and it ending early, that I was going to be sitting here like all by myself. But I actually already talked to them and they're going to be here too. So Matt won't be lonely. 
which is a good thing, by the way, in case you're wondering. Tia Tia just called. He said, "If if those are old people and ancestors, then 65 plus were dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, absolutely. God, James, you're you're gonna get us vilified on the phone lines." (laughs) And I and I love dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs. <laughs> Good save. Good save. Uh, that yeah. was, those were my pet sheets growing up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and, that, and that's not even a joke. This, this is really what it was. Oh, I, I know. I know it's not a joke. That's why it's so funny. <laughs> In hour number two, we're gonna look at the Madden ratings for wide receivers, edge rushers, and running backs. And then we're going to talk some Mike Leach. Got some audio clips from Mike. Uh, You know, those are always fun. And then at 5.30, Chris Gordy from the Locked On SEC podcast. He's going to join me for a very long conversation about LSU, the SEC, and and so much more. And and then, James, right when we come back at 5.02, I've got some breaking news out of Texas A&M. To, to get into. You're listening to Crunch Time with me guys and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Don't go anywhere. A whole nother hour after this top of the hour sports update here on Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, live from the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Here is your special SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, presented by Bordelon Furniture. Welcome to Atlanta when the play is played. And we are rolling. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, live from the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Georgia. Radio Row, Matt Miguez here. James Mesh back in the master control suite. 602 here, 502 there. James, what's up, buddy? How are you feeling? I'm feeling just fine. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. You're good? Um, you know, I, I, I told Jordy earlier, you know, sleep deprivation is, is slowly, slowly starting to kick in. Now, now you understand why... I sleep as much as I do because it's boring. Um, it, it, it's slowly starting to kick in because I can't tell you the last time that I have gone three consecutive days of staying up till midnight, 1 a.m., and then waking up at 7 and working all day. Yeah, no, not optimal. So uh, it's, it's slowly starting to kick in. But, uh, you know, only, only one more day. We're living the dream over here in hot Atlanta. All right, we've got some audio from Mike Leach, and then we're going to talk about some Madden rankings before we get to Chris Gordy at 5.30. Mike Leach, he's a a character, man. You know, he had a great career at Texas Tech, had a good career at Washington State, and now he's tasked with keeping Mississippi State around. You know, I'm not going to say prominent. I'm not going to say... Great, but you know, around right. You know, we we talked yesterday, and 
Mississippi State's ceiling is more than likely what they experienced with Dak, right? Ten win seasons, a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't know that they're ever going to compete for a national title, though. Just, you know, being being honest there, you know. But Mike Leach yesterday was asked how he has become acclimated as a head coach in the SEC. Well, you just try to get better. I mean, I, you know, there's there's not much to adjust. Though. I mean, if you're determined to improve your team, you know, the best way to improve the team is improve yourself. And after that, everybody gets on that page. And then if you're constantly trying to improve yourself, you're trying to get better and you're trying to do the best you can. So, you, you, you know, you can, uh, if you have full effort, then eventually, uh, you know, you can improve from that and uh, set a new ceiling. And if you're doing that all the time, if you're truly doing that all the time, then there's, there's not much to save. I mean, I, you know, it's funny because uh, folks act like there's some kind of a reserve. You know, well, there's a reserve they haven't used. Well, they're playing this type of team, so, you know, we're going to perfectly gauge how much effort we, you know, saving – like, because if you save effort, you don't get to spend it on the next guy, you know, I mean. And then Mike Leach was even asked, what are you watching on Netflix? I wish I'd watched more Netflix lately, and I haven't. Somebody said I need to watch the Terminal List, which I haven't watched it yet. You know, the, I guess the Hidden Gem, which I think I said it last year. Operation Odessa, that uh, documentary, you need to watch that, about uh, these uh, international criminals that uh, try to buy a submarine for Pablo Escobar. That's worth watching. And, and then lastly, you know, this is a long clip, so, so bear with us. But Mike Leach spent some time yesterday talking about Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher relating to NIL and the athletes? Well, I think they both kind of illustrate the frustration of uh, how things are, you know, right now. And I, it's not sustainable, so something's going to change. You know, right now, um, we haven't defined what exactly is a, an amateur or a student athlete as opposed to a professional, and I think we need to do that. And I think there is ways to do it. I think that uh, some football players may be in their best interest to remain a student athlete and, you know, under that model as opposed to professional and vice versa. And I think that's got to be defined. Currently, you know, college athletes have more privileges than, than anybody at any other professional level. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't think it stays the same. Uh, because there's responsibilities that go along with being a professional. And I've said this before. You've probably already written it down. But, you know, those guys lock themselves in rooms and watch film all the time, so you'll be able to get away with it. Go up to your, your next favorite NFL guy. I heard in the NFL they're going to have uh, unmitigated free agency 365, 24-7. And, by the way, there's not going to be any salary cap uh, or draft, you're just going to have bidding wars and, and just watch the expression on their face. And don't look at anything else or write down any notes because the, the expression on their face will be well worth it. So I don't see this as, uh, you know, I, I don't think the dust is settled. I, I, this, we're in a big transition period on a number of things in college football and, uh, you know, sharp guys actively trying to sort it out and, and, you know, and I hope that it will be.
and um so he said a lot there but the the message is kind of the same that every coach has been delivering and it's that nil is good for college football if it's done correctly you know that that's the thing right now there's not a whole lot of restrictions. There's not a whole lot of regulations. The NCAA has put some in place, but they haven't done crap in terms of enforcing it. And you're letting these kids make millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, look at Bryce Young. The guy had a million dollars in NIL before he even played a game at Alabama last year. That's crazy to me. Kirby Smart said today, he didn't release the specifics of, of money, but he said 95 players on their roster have at least one NIL deal. 95! On a, what, 110-man roster? And again, I'm I'm an advocate for NIL. NIL is a good thing if done correctly. And Kirby Smart's an advocate for it also. He talked at length today about a player on his on his team who his dad is going through dialysis and can't work, so the son's NIL money is paying for his dad's dialysis. So, like, reasons like that. NIL is a good thing, but you can't let, you know, the Bryce Youngs and the Will Andersons of the world make millions of dollars while your your average guy gets, you know, some some pennies on the dollar. James, what do you think? It does kind of create a power struggle cuz you'll have Bryce Young who I, th- I think he had made a million last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets to 2, maybe right. 3 million this next year. Whereas I'm gl- I'm glad I-, I would presume some of those 95 or walk-ons. So I- I'm guessing a couple of them. Well, it-, it would have to be because your scholarship limit is 85. Yeah, so 10 of them have NIL deals, even though they're only walk-ons. I mean, I'm happy for them, but when it averages out, there's there's a big difference. Yep. And I'd hate to take away some money from Bryce and Will Anderson and other players that could be making – a chunk of change but you need some barriers you need some you need to have some type of structure to figure all this out because right now it's just pretty much chicken with its head cut off yep absolutely absolutely let's get to the madden ratings that were released this week we'll start with wide receivers james only 199 and it's Devonte adams eh. Well-deserved for Devontae Adams, to say the least. I I know Cooper Cup had the triple crown last year, but, I mean, he made a huge improvement. And to say he's 99 after one really good season, I I think it's fair that he's one below at a 98. Yeah, Cup at 98, Tyreek Hill now with the Dolphins at 97. And then here's one that I don't agree with. How the hell is DeAndre Hopkins a 96? I'm wondering that as well because D Hop's still good. And I love D Hop. But not I do. not ninety six good. But he had a terrible year last year. And he had some injuries and he did have a down year. And that's also him getting busted with 
some PEDs. Right. So he's going to be out for a while. So it's like you did this, you did that, you put up those stats while you had SC, had PEDs. I don't think it affected him that much because usually when it comes to those type of enhancements, usually it's not that big of a deal because it was just one little thing in what they were taking. So I don't think it made a huge difference, but still, you put up not as good of a stats as you usually do. You're still... You're still relatively young, but I don't think he deserves a 96 at this point. I think he no. got him. I think you should knock him down to a, a 91 at the highest. I agree. I agree. And then, you know, you look at a couple other spots on the list. Michael Thomas sitting at a 90. I'm not shocked by that. I mean, you haven't seen him in two years. But and, and you know that usually players like that, they'll. Oh, they'll, yeah. they'll knock him down a good bit. Keenan Allen at a 91. Justin Jefferson at a 93. Go a little bit further down the list past Michael Thomas. Chris Godwin at an 89. Debo Samuel an 89. Adam Thielen an 88. That's a scary wide receiver core in Minnesota. If only they had a competent quarterback. Here's the thing about the Vikings. I, I think they could be a surprise team this year. I think what was holding them back, after hearing a lot of what they were saying, I feel like Mike Zimmer was the problem. Um, I mean, maybe. Because none, none of the players liked him, and he's a defensive-minded coach. But the last couple of years, the Vikings defense sucked. It's true. So it's like if your specialty is the worst part of the team and none of the players like you, I feel like bringing in a fresh face could change some things. It's true. It's absolutely true. And then Jamar Chase for the Bengals sitting at an 87. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Because I don't, yeah, and I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I get it. He had a really good rookie year. But he was just a rookie. Right. I, I want to see a second and third season before I'm putting him in the 93, 94, 95 range like we have seen with, with Jay Jettas. We've seen it from him. I want to see. Sure. I want to see at least one more year with Jamar Chase putting up those type of consistent numbers before I can put him in that same level. Absolutely. All right, guys. We talked about it earlier. The Astros weekend getaway ends today. Go join the clubhouse if you haven't already. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. If you join the clubhouse, we can give you Astros tickets. We can help you win an Apple Watch. We could help you with date night blues by giving you gift certificates to fine dining restaurants. I mean, James, tell the folks, there's no reason why they aren't a member of the game clubhouse. If I wasn't working here, I would have signed up so I could win some of the stuff this life. I love, I love winning free stuff. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love winning free stuff? Everything Ray, tastes better when it's free. Ray got a free Chick-fil-A gift card this morning from the CEO of the Peach Bowl. Like, who doesn't want to win stuff? So go join the clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Do it now. We're about to take a five-minute commercial break. That's all you need. Go do it real quick before we come back. We'll take a timeout right here. And when we return, we will talk some more Madden ratings before bringing you the Chris Gordy interview. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
Miguez is lonely in Atlanta. So why don't you drop him a line on the game hotline, 337-706-0111, or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Bordelon Furniture. Welcome back. Into crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette 1041 in Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Got a couple minutes here. We're going to do a short segment before we get into that interview with Chris Gordy. James, let's go over the halfback ratings from Madden 23, and the highest rated, not really a surprise in, in Derrick Henry. No, people love them some kings. People love them King Henry, for sure. And then, you know, Christian McCaffrey at a 96. I get it from a talent level, but are, are we really going to put McCaffrey as the second highest rated back when he played, what was it, four games last year? Yeah. Because the games that he did play, he was scoring two touchdowns a game. He's putting up like 100 yards from scrimmage each game. I, I, I get what you're trying to say. Lower the lower. You can lower the injury rating all you want, but don't touch anything else. The man is still producing numbers and putting up points. There's a reason why I still say he's the best running back. I guess. I just I don't know I I feel like there are anyways that that's fair Nick Chubb at a 96 as well Jonathan Taylor at a 95 Dalvin Cook 94 Joe Mixon 93 and then you get to AK 41 at a 90 now that's that's fair you know I I think he's still one of the top you know, running backs in the NFL, and I, I don't know if I'd put him any higher. James, what do you think? It's tough to put him higher. Maybe, maybe above Joe Mixon, maybe. But even then, it's it's kind of it's kind of tick or tack. Like, what do you prefer? Because they both can pretty much do the same thing. Right. Other guys on the list: Aaron Jones at an eighty-nine. Austin Eckler and Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott at an 88. Leonard Fournette takes a dip to an 87. Kareem Hunt and Saquon Barkley at an 86. Najee Harris an 85. And then Chris Carson. You know, I don't want this to come off wrong, but, you know, we're ranking Chris Carson at an 83. And we don't know if he's ever going to play football again. That that is that is a fair point to make. One thing that does get me is the Austin Eckler rating, only an eighty-eight. I feel like he should be a ninety, and you could bump Alvin Kamara to ninety-one, ninety-two. Yeah, that 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 could be fair. Uh, tomorrow we will d- dive into edge rushers here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. James, what's going down tonight? What you got going on? I'm gonna be cutting up the. I'm gonna do the Sam the uh, Pittman, and yeah, I'm, and I'm gonna get uh, Kirby. 
Okay. And I know this sounds crazy, but I might I might continue a show that I've I've started to watch. And what's that? It is Demon Slayer. <laughs> Ooh, it's a good show. You, oh, you you've seen Demon Slayer? I have. Really? I never took you as a type to watch that type of stuff. I have seen Demon Slayer. It's really good. Uh, I I had finished the first season the other day, so my my continue season two or might start reading up on the book since I I know we got some assignments between yeah. me you and Hannah. We we definitely do. Um, I'm heading to Stats Brew Pub here in downtown Atlanta. They're throwing us a, a media party for the the last night of SEC Media Days. So looking forward to that. But James, right now, let's take a timeout because Chris Gordy is ready to join us here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Again, he'll talk about LSU and the state of the SEC because, man, it's stacked. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The circus that is SEC Media Days is in Atlanta, and Miguez and Mesh have you covered. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Portalon Furniture on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, focusing here on the Tigers of LSU. While we're in Atlanta, we have the host of Locked On SEC here with us, Mr. Chris Gordy. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time, man. How are you? Yeah, definitely, man. I'm glad you said it, Miguez, because I would have butchered that. So <laughs> glad, for, glad you uh, you said it there for me. So, you know, let, let's talk about the Tigers. Brian Kelly, year one, coming in. He's, he's got a couple questions to answer, especially at the quarterback position and the offensive line. You know, right now on paper, on the surface, what are your thoughts about this team? Yeah, it, it's a very talented roster. Um, you know, I think the common misconception that everybody runs with is, you know, we, we were at, I was at that bowl game in Houston, the Texas Bowl, and – the roster was depleted. They were down to whatever it was, 41 scholarship players. But what people act like is that, oh, it was just a bunch of people got kicked off the team and discipline and people at the transfer portal and all that. They had other issues. I mean, there were guys who had grades issues who got those corrected. They had kids who were in the COVID protocol. They had all kinds of stuff going on in that, in that game. So after all was said and done, the, roster, the dust settled, and Brian Kelly comes in and looks at the roster – it's not a depleted roster. It's a very good roster. There's a lot of good pieces on it. Did they lose some guys to the portal? Yes. Did they lose guys to graduation in the draft? Yes. But I, I still look at this team, and, and Florida's kind of in the same category with me. I look at them and say, yes, two new coaches, Billy Napier at Florida, Brian Kelly at LSU, but still a lot of talent on that roster. And you know, when we talk about LSU with a quarterback battle, I think it's just being nice to Jane Daniels, who came in from Arizona State. I still don't understand why he came in, and I think maybe time will tell. We'll see. I bet they have some wrinkles for him, uh, dual threat running ability. We saw it in the spring game. The kid, like, when I saw him run, I'm like, that kid's got to play. Now, then I saw him throw a pass and throw it at a guy's knees, and I was like, okay, maybe not throwing, maybe not starting quarterback. Right. I've been a big Miles Brennan proponent. I've watched him throughout his career. 
the you know his biggest thing is he can't stay healthy, and it's not even just football injuries. It's you know tripping on a boat dock on his sandals and, and breaks his arm. Like, dude, just we'll put you in bubble wrap and walk you around campus the rest of the year. <laughs> um, but if Miles Brennan can stay healthy, like he's the guy. When this guy was healthy and playing, he was throwing for 300, 400 yards a game. Like he was, he was very productive. So I like to think it, it's it's just we're delaying the inevitable. They're going to announce Miles Brennan as the starter. Uh, Jaden Daniels, whether they've had those conversations or not, I think there are wrinkles for him to play in this offense and, uh, and be a dual, a dual threat, change of pace quarterback. I hope he embraces that because, again, if he came here to start and he doesn't win the starting job, what are you going to do, transfer again? So we'll see. Time will tell. And then I think you have a very viable backup if injuries happen. Garrett Nussmeyer is a gunslinger, man. That kid, he, he's, I call him mini Brett Favre. Like, he's fearless. He will fling that thing down the field. Uh, the spring game was boring when you watched it until Garrett Nussmeyer came in. And you're like, exactly. yes, this guy takes shots. We saw in the Ole Miss game last year. getting blown out of Ole Miss. He comes in and starts flinging it down the field. Like, yes, they take shots. This is what the fan base wants to see. So um, I like Nuss. And and good thing is Walker Howard is – he is all but said, and his family's like, they want to sit him, and he wants to learn. Sure, play him in his four games where he still gets his red shirt, but he wants to sit and learn and develop, and I think that's a great spot. So I think they're in a really good spot if Miles Brennan can stay healthy. If Miles Brennan stays healthy, this LSU team is going to win a couple games they're not supposed to. I read one of these preseason magazines that says, uh, you know, six or seven wins for LSU. I'm like, six or seven wins? Like, who do you have them losing to? I mean, maybe they lose some heartbreakers. Like, maybe they lose a last, on a last-second field goal to Florida State in the opener. Okay, that would suck. But it doesn't mean you're, like, you, you know, you're void of talent. You're not you're a very not, good you're team. You're not dead for right. So, yeah, so maybe I could buy that argument. You think LSU's going to be a seven-win team and they lose a couple heartbreaking games? Sure. Okay, I can go along with that. But to say they're a six, seven-win team and they're going to get blown out in a bunch of games, I just don't see it. No. Now, you brought up Walker Howard wanting to sit. That's where I've thought that he should be since he stepped foot in Baton Rouge. Do you think that the quarterback situation for this year is just a Band-Aid of sorts for the Walker Howard show starting next year? No, I mean, I, I do. They love Nussmeyer. As long as Nuss stays put, you know, next, next offseason, because I think Jaden Daniels is gone no matter what. And obviously Brennan, I mean, years if, is he going to get hurt again and gets a seventh year of eligibility? I don't know, but... I, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, next year it's Nussmeyer, it's Walker Howard, and then I still think they're going to add an, another quarterback to this recruiting class, the 2023 class. Um, there's nothing given. I mean, maybe it is good to have a battle next year. Maybe Nussmeyer wins and Walker sits another year uh, and learns and develops. I, I talked with Jack Besh, you know, his, his teammate, high school teammate, and, and I said, is it cool to have your quarterback back? He goes, yeah, but it's like, you know, I'm playing more with the other guys and all that. It's, I, I said, man, you shut up. You should haze him, and, and, you know, you've had the whole year of experience of college ahead of you uh, than he's gotten. But, yeah, I, I, I just – look, if Walker is the real deal, then he's going to beat out Nussmeier next year. Then, then he'll be the starter and may the best man win. But I, I just wouldn't put it as a lock right now. I think Nuss has had some real game experience. And if I'm being honest, I think he's going to get some real game experience this year because, again, banking on – uh, Brennan to stay healthy. If Brennan, let's say just worst thing happens, Brennan gets hurt in week two, I don't think they would turn to Jaden Daniels as the full-time starter at that point. I think you still turn to Jaden and say, we're going to keep you with these packages that we have, and we're going to start Nuss. That's just what I think. Chat with Chris Gordy here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Yesterday, Brian Kelly spoke with the media, and he said a lot about 
you know, earning the trust of his players and his coaching staff having to earn the trust of his players. So far since since Brian Kelly's arrived in Baton Rouge, how do you think he's done that? And how do you think he fits in? Because that was another topic yesterday. People don't, still don't think that Brian Kelly fits in in Baton Rouge. Yeah, which is stupid because all you got to do is win. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, whether it's uh, Louisiana Lafayette or LSU, and I threw the Lafayette in there just to distinguish. I know you guys don't like that. Uh, whether it's Louisiana Raging Cajuns or LSU, look, it doesn't matter what you sound like if you win, right? I mean, like, you don't have to make a good roux or like gumbo or jambalaya to, to, win, to, to coach in, in Louisiana. You just have to win. So uh, I thought that was all overplayed. I also thought it was overplayed, this, this crap that the national media ran with on – dogging Brian Kelly on how he told his team. Look, there's never a right way to leave your team, right? right. Like, when it's time and, it, it, and he feels like he's accomplished everything he can at Notre Dame and you get a great opportunity, you go take it. This has happened in college football for decades, yet somehow he was vilified as this terrible, awful human. How dare he leave those kids high and dry? What do you want him to do, hang around and wait for the bowl bid at Notre Dame and be behind over hurting at LSU? No, if you're taking that job, you got to leave when you leave to go get a head start on your next job, or else you're a year behind at that job. So I just thought it was so silly how they, like, vilified him and made him out to be this bad guy. And then it was all of Marcus Freeman. He has been – he's the new head coach at Notre Dame, and they love him. The players love – well, yeah, they love the guy who stayed, of course. Like, we're not stupid. And then he goes out and he loses his bowl game. Hey, great start to your career, Marcus Freeman. I think he's going to be good eventually, but we'll see. I mean, this crowning him, you know, guy, first-time head coach at Notre Dame, like, good Lord. But I just thought it was so over the top to all the criticism Brian Kelly got. I talked to those players yesterday. They all said they love him. Uh, Mike Jones, linebacker, said Coach, coach uh, Kelly has a sense of humor. He's, he's hilarious. I'm like, hilarious would not be the first word, I assume, to put a label on Brian Kelly when I first see him. Because we've seen all the film of his time at Notre Dame. He's rough. He's gruff. He demands excellence. Um, man, now he gets the talent of an LSU to coach. Uh, the sky is the limit for LSU. I just, I just thought the national media, the way they treated him uh, when he left Notre Dame, was just absolutely ridiculous because everybody else has done it. Right. Every other coach leaves for jobs. This is how it happens, and there's no right way to do it. Uh, you know, sometimes you do it the right way, and you coach through the bowl game, and then you move on. And then you get guys like Tommy Tuberville, who are literally on a recruiting trip for Texas Tech, and leave the restaurant in the middle of dinner to go take the Cincinnati job. Look, there's 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 no right or wrong way to do these things. Yeah, absolutely. And then today, Nick Saban took the podium, and you know my takeaway from from Saban is that he's so great at making whoever asked the question feel like they got their question answered <laughs> and he said absolutely nothing yeah and i kind of thought that i mean I, you know all this talk about the 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 big storyline of the offseason a few weeks ago was the battle between him and jimbo and i had somebody ask me yesterday oh are you gonna get round two of saban and, and jimbo no the, at least not from saban's end he he completely clammed up after all that yep. you know apologized to jimbo said i should have never said that and now he's become a man with no opinion on anything. Like it's like, come on, Nick. You know, it's and then you get Lane yesterday, who's the complete opposite. He'll give you his opinion on everything. So right. it's it's funny the contrast. But no, I thought we saw a, a much more clammed up Nick Saban. And uh, look, mission accomplished. He didn't make any headlines really for anything that he said, and that was their goal for Alabama today. Give me your thoughts on Mike Leach. What he had to say today. He, that dude is literally, like, there's a few, you'll, you'll learn this in radio, there's a few guests you have on, 
God bless him. I love my buddy Mike Dettelier. But you can have Mike Dettelier on and ask him two questions and fill a 20-minute segment. That, that is how he goes. Mike Leach is the same way. Mike Leach got up there and starts going, and it's like, my God, like, is, is he going to take another question? And he just veers <laughs> off into every different direction. It starts telling you old, uh, talking about old TV shows and his favorite candies. And it's just, it's so funny how, how this guy veers off, uh, you know, off the reservation. But he's also great. He's a unique character like that. I just wonder, this conference is so cutthroat, man. There, there have been some really good coaches that have come through the SEC and not survived. Coach O goes from literally two years, two, three years ago, the peak of college football to being fired that quickly. Uh, Brett Bielema, I think, is a really good coach. Arkansas ate him alive. Chad Morris, I thought, was a good coach. Arkansas, he couldn't win a game in Arkansas. So, like, there's just these coaches that come and go in the SEC, and it's just so cutthroat. Look at Jimbo. Jimbo's one of the highest-paid coaches in college football, yet he can't even win the SEC West right. at A&M because it's just such a brutal conference. Mike Leach is a great coach. Mike Leach won some big games at Texas Tech at Washington State. And it's just, I think at Mississippi State, he's just limited. The resources are limited. Having Will Rogers back this year, a seasoned veteran, I think they're going to put up a lot of stats. They're going to put up a lot of numbers, a lot of yards. The problem is their schedule is absolutely brutal. And so I just wonder if, if it's a six-win season for Mississippi State, do the Starkville fans is, get – Is get, that good enough? Yeah, though? do they say, hey, let's move on? Um, I don't know. I mean, it feels like what Mullen did there in the DAC years – that's the ceiling at Mississippi State. So I don't know, you know, is this what's to come for uh, more years of Mike Leach is kind of 7-5 and five every year, win or lose a bowl game? That might be it, but the man is character. And then, you know, you, you talked about coaches getting eaten alive by the SEC. Another example is Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah. He walked into Knoxville after being on Saban's staff at Alabama, and everybody was like, oh, he's going to bring Tennessee back to the Peyton Manning days. And that didn't last very long. Yeah, him, Derek Dooley. Now, Derek Dooley was on a whole nother, on a whole nother level. People said they didn't, never should have hired him, and he proved it out on the field at Tennessee. Um, yeah, I mean, Pruitt was actually very highly thought of. Saban was like, oh, I don't want to lose you and all this. Oh, he's the next Kirby Smart. And then, no, he's <laughs> dead man walking just a few years later. So, yeah, again, th- this conference will eat you alive. Dan Mullen two years ago was one of the best coaches in the SEC fired I mean it, it can yep. change it can change on you that quick that's what's been so fun being here at SEC media days is looking around and wondering who is that guy in the hot seat and you know Brian Harson at Auburn he was already on the hot seat back in January with all the stuff they went through and he seems to be safe for now uh Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri I wonder if they may consider hey um you know, you, you, if you don't win more games this year and it's just kind of more me- mediocrity, Missouri thinks more highly of themselves. Uh, they're not too far removed from Gary Pinkle getting to the S- winning the SEC East multiple times. People forget that. So, um, yeah, this is just – it's just a tough conference. And that's where, I, you know, I say, Brian Kelly, you got to give him a little time. I think within three to four years he's going to win a championship at LSU. Why? Because – all the all the other bozos did it, so you know I think I think any of us could go in there and win at LSU given those resources. But uh, it, it you gotta take the good and the bad. You're gonna have down years, and the down years are where the natives get restless. Last question I've got for you, Chris. Give me the best player in the SEC not named Bryce Young. Yeah, that's that's an. I mean, Will Anderson is the easy one. He was there here for Alabama. He's the best defensive player in college football. 
Uh, I think there's a chance, depending on how his season goes, not only can he win the Heisman this year, he can be the number one pick in the draft next year based on who's picking top, you know, number one. So many teams in the NFL have addressed quarterback needs. Who's going to be that worst team in the, in the NFL? And if it's, if it's a team, let's just say it's Jacksonville again, uh, you know, they just took an edge rusher. But if they end up with the number one pick, they're, you know, they seem to like Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think they could take Will Anderson. So Will Anderson just has a really good chance to be the – the star of college football this year ahead of Bryce Young because I think Bryce Young's numbers are going to come down a little bit. You lose Jameson Williams and John Mechie, I don't care who you have behind them. They're not going to replicate what those guys did. So the numbers are going to come down a little bit. Now, look, it might be 100 less yards and one less touchdown, but Bryce Young's still going to be very good. I think Will Anderson is going to be the name that everybody's going to talk about, and he's starting to get so much push from the media here, You know, even just talking to people downstairs in the media room that I think he's going to get more Heisman votes if he comes even close to just matching what he did last year. He doesn't have to beat it, 17 and a half sacks, but he gets, if he gets close in that territory again, I think he's going to win the Heisman. Now let's poke some fun at a, uh, at a good friend of mine. You work at Sports Radio 790 as well. How difficult is it to work with Brian LaLima? Um, he's, uh, he's just one of those guys where you, you let him do his thing and, and you try to get out of his way because – if you end up stopping to talk to him, you're just he's just going to be like a gnat attached to your arm, <laughs> just following you around everywhere, and he doesn't stop oh talking. God. So, yeah, it's uh, you let him do his thing, and you just stay out of his way. Chris Gordy of Sports, Ra- Sports Talk 790 and the Locked On SEC podcast. Chris, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Absolutely, man. Anytime. We'll bring you more coverage from SEC Media Days here at the College Football Hall of Fame. On the other side of this timeout, you're listening to The Game. 103.7 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. That's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the show that just means more. Eh, what more is, we're not quite sure yet. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Bordelon Furniture on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, wrap it up. Day three of SEC Media Days live from Radio Row here at the College Football Hall of Fame. But James, you know... There's a storyline going around the NFL. The the Giants are bringing back their 80s and 90s throwbacks. Yeah, I'd seen that as well. It kind of caught me off guard, but it's kind of going with the theme of we're getting new helmets from other teams like the Saints and Texans, and now we're getting new uniforms as well. Yeah, I was scrolling through Twitter, and I see a picture of Saquon rocking the the old-school Giants jersey, and I was like, wait a second. Why is Saquon wearing that? And then, like, a minute later, I saw a post, Giants will bring back alternate uniforms for two games. And I was like, oh, there it is. There it is. Now it all makes sense. All right, so just a quick recap of today's SEC Media Days. We heard from Sam Pittman this morning, which was – Absolutely hilarious. Uh, we'll have the, the sound bites of that tomorrow. We also heard from defending national champion in Kirby Smart. And the, the message from Kirby Smart today was that 
contrary to popular belief, Georgia's not going to be complacent in in 2022. A lot of people think that Georgia is going to come into the with the mentality, oh, you know, we just won the national championship. We don't have to try, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, they, they have a pretty easy schedule. But Kirby Smart doesn't care about that. He says that Georgia's still going to give everything they've got. He firmly believes that Stetson Bennett is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. And uh, this might be a hot take, but I agree with him. Stetson Bennett is an elite-level quarterback in college football. And he, he said today, you know, people keep doubting and disrespecting Stetson Bennett. And that's just fine with him because that's only going to make Stetson better, right? Right. I don't know if I would necessarily call him elite. I don't know if I want to go there. But I, I believe he's competent enough, and I feel he's gotten better. I would say he was already a goodish quarterback. Having another year with Georgia, I think he'll be better. Wouldn't say elite, but I think he's a good one since he was able to make enough plays and make some good throws in that championship game. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, being, being in the Georgia offense – and, and having to win the job the way that he did. I mean, last season, 2,862 yards, 29 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, had a completion percentage of 64.5%. I mean, what more can you ask out of a guy that played in 14 games last season? Now, what, one thing that I find interesting is if you look at his passing numbers, he only threw the ball 287 times last year. Now granted, Georgia had a great running game last year, and they're going to have another great running game this year with Kenny McIntosh, but that's only, if you do 14 games, 287, that's only like 20, 21 passes a game. That's a pretty low number in, in today's college football. But again, I, I think Stetson Bennett's up there as one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. It's very low in just football in general. Most QBs, whether it be college or NFL, even Lamar Jackson, he's throwing it a little closer to 30. Yep. He's, he's throwing about 27, 28 times, even the run-heavy offenses. So to see Stetson Bennett only throwing it 20, 21 times, at least it's efficient numbers where it's 65%. I would kind of hope if you think he's an elite quarterback, you would put it in his hands more often you would throw it. But it is understandable since you usually do have a two- or three-headed monster in Georgia. And then you heard from Billy Napier, who, you know, he's dealt with a lot of criticism since arriving in Gainesville, you know, losing recruits to schools like Miami. And, you know, even Florida fans are, I mean, I've seen people on social media already calling for Billy Napier's head. The man hasn't coached a game in Gainesville. Like, not a single second. And they, they had a graphic today of Florida's schedule. That schedule's not doing them any favors. I mean, that schedule is absolutely brutal, James. They've got, you got LSU at home, and then you go into your bye week to play Georgia in Jacksonville. You start off with Utah, who was very confident, competent in the Pac-12 last year. You play Tennessee, who a lot of people are calling to be a sleeper. You got Texas A&M. You got South Carolina. 
then you end with Florida State, which say what you want about Florida State. That's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. History, records, it's all thrown out the window at that point. Uh, so Billy Napier definitely not giving any favors here in year number one. All right, James, wrapping up. Tomorrow is the last day that I won't be in the studio. Can you make it another day without me? I think it'll be a struggle, but yep. I have faith in myself, and I think I can do it. it I, I know it's going to be a struggle. I mean, I just, I just ooze, you know, I, I help you in, in ways that you can't even describe. I agree. <laughs> oh, my God. That's going to do it for today's edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Live from Radio Row, once again, thanks to our title sponsor, Bordelon Furniture. Guys, power recliner on sale, $6.99 until the end of July. Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. Tomorrow, final day of the SEC Media Days. We'll wrap it all up, put a bow on it, and RP3 and I are going to get our butts back to Acadiana. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well. Give a hug to your mom and them. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh back tomorrow, same time, same station, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, the Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.